If I were to mention her name, you would know who I was talking about. But on December the 1st, uh, 1955, nobody knew this individual. Uh, She worked as a seamstress in a factory. And uh, at lunchtime that day, she went and she met with her minister and uh, spent some time talking to him about some things that were disturbing her in her life. After lunch was over, she went back to work and uh, finished her shift and got off work at about 6 o'clock. It was at that time she got on a bus to ride home, and um, she paid for her fare. She sat down, and then shortly thereafter, the bus driver came to her and asked her to give up her seat so that a white man could sit down. It was then that Rosa Parks said, um, I'm not going to move, and uh, the rest is history. We know how the story ends. When asked about her decision many years ago, Rosa Parks said that when she sat down on the bus that day, that she had no idea that history was about to be made. She said, I was only thinking of getting home. But I made up my mind after so many insults and so many years of being a victim of mistreatment, that whatever I had to face as a consequence for not getting up, it meant nothing to me. It wasn't important. I was going to take a stand, or as she said, have a seat that day. And she did. And she didn't have any fear, she said. She said it was time for somebody to stand up, or in my case, sit down, so I refused to move. We all know about Rosa Parks, and that decision that she made in 1955, um, a long time ago, the ripples of her decision not to give up her seat uh, have impacted our society and still impact our society today. And I know that we can go through our, our, you know, American history or whatever, and we can look at events that take place that when a person makes this stand, this noble stand that um, it affects us, and we still talk about it. Go to history class, and the people that we talk about are people that made decisions that still the ripples of that decision uh, impact our lives today. Well, it's not only true of American history But it's also true of biblical history. And you go back to Acts chapter 2, and there's a group of men assembled in an upper room, along with others. To think that those men would have an impact that would ripple throughout the ages, 2,000 years in the future, is highly unlikely. I mean, go back just a few days earlier, and we have Jesus and these men, and um, he's about to be crucified. He's praying in the garden, and the, the enemy approaches. The soldiers come to take and arrest Jesus, and on that occasion, his disciples fled. They were afraid. They were not up for what was in store for Jesus. Oh, they said they were. And I really believe they thought they were. But when it came right down to it, they ran. 
one of them, a soldier grabbed a hold of, and he just kind of wiggled loose out of his clothes and continued running and left that soldier with his garments behind. You go to the cross. Where are his disciples? Um, they stood afar. Peter stood afar. Some of them came, but, but they weren't willing to get involved. They didn't come to his aid. And shortly after his death, we see them huddled in a room for fear of the Pharisees. This is a group of defeated men. They're afraid. They've locked the doors so that no one would know. They saw what had been done to their leader. They didn't want it to happen to them. And so now they're huddled in a little room together for fear of being found, discovered. These guys are going to have a ripple effect on us today? Well, Jesus said after his resurrection in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 that you, you guys, you 12, you'll be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the world. And I will empower you with the Holy Spirit. You come to Acts chapter 2, and that Spirit falls upon them, and they are empowered. And with boldness, they stand up and preach to the very people, a risen Savior, Jesus, the Son of God, to the very people who had put Him to death. Days earlier, they were too afraid. They were found huddled in a room, afraid of what these people might do to them. Today, they're bold. And they stand before these very people and they profess that that same Jesus whom you crucified is both Lord and Christ. And because of them, 3,000 souls were baptized. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as were being saved. And that process has continued for 2,000 years. And here we are today, feeling the ripples of what those 12 men did 2,000 years ago. Do you believe that your life can impact the lives of other people long after you're gone? Do you really believe that? Do we just live for the moment and we don't think about our, our ancestors? Do we not think about those who will come after us? Do we, do we give very little thought to that? Do we just live for now, today? Maybe, maybe my children, maybe my grandchildren, but beyond that, hey, you know, they're on their own. You know, I don't know what the world's going to be like then. I'll be gone. That's all that matters. Do you really believe that your life can have a ripple effect that, hey, 60 years from now, we can be talking about you like we're talking about Rosa Parks. Or 2,000 years from now, we can be talking about you like we're talking about those hand-selected apostles that Jesus chose, ordinary men, fishermen, uh, 2,000 years ago. Well, if you believe that, then... There's a challenge. Because what makes these people in the Bible, what makes that ripple effect hit us today is their faith. And for the next few weeks, I want to talk about a a few things concerning this ripple effect. I want us to see how faith can long send waves through uh, humanity. Compassion can do the same thing. Benevolence can do the same thing. 
And I want to challenge us to step up to the plate and, and make waves, to make ripples that will impact people long, long after we're gone. That should be the goal of our life. I want us this morning to look at, in particular, the life of Abraham. If you have your Bible, open it to Hebrews chapter 11. And I want to see the impact, the ripple effect that was created by Abraham because of his faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, well, you know, that's one of those great chapters of the Bible. Uh, there are a few chapters that you know, you know, if I said, what is, um, you know, Acts 2 about? People can say, oh, well, that's about the beginning of the church. What's 1 Corinthians 15? Oh, that's the resurrection chapter. What's Hebrews chapter 11? That's the chapter of faith. You know, we, we've got that down pretty well. And, and notice as the Hebrew writer talks about faith, and how all these great things are accomplished. Faith is, he begins, the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It is the, the evidence of, it's not doubt. I don't doubt it. I, I'm not questioning. I'm not wavering. I, there are things that I don't see, but I absolutely have assurance, substantive assurance that those things are real. I've never seen my brains. I shouldn't have used that one, should I? I know where that's going to go. I've never seen my brains, but I have some. Um, and see, I'm ahead of you. I, I caught it right as soon as I let that go. But uh, it's, it's, I don't have any question that there are some up there. Uh, because I know it's substantive. Um, but I've never seen it. Faith is knowing, having assurance of things that we've never seen before, necessarily. Uh, but, but we know that it's coming our way. And as you look at Hebrews chapter 11, I mean, it's just a, well, it's a hall of fame. Notice, by faith, Abel offered. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Noah. By faith, Sarah. Uh, and just on and on as you go down through this chapter. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph, verse 22. By faith, Moses, verse 23. All these men acted, and women, acted in faith, trusting that God would take care of them, trusting in His Word and in His promises, doing things that kind of put them out there. But they had faith. And it was because of their faith they did what others would not have been willing to do. And they have this ripple effect on our lives today. And as the Hebrew writer writes this, if he were preaching it, I can just hear him gaining momentum and speed as he goes through this, by faith, by faith. And, and each story as he relates to us and he culminates uh, into verse 32. And he says, what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women who received uh, their dead raised to life again. 
Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not even worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Can't you just hear as he talks about these people of faith and, and as it just grows into this, and, and you know, after he's given these illustrations, ah, there's so many more I could tell you about. This person and this person and this person and all the things that happened. They did them all by faith. Faith is powerful. People who have faith can accomplish things that you never thought you could accomplish before. And the impact of faith has a ripple effect that just cannot be stopped. You can't, how do you stop a ripple, you know, in water? If you drop a pebble in the water, what, what do you do to make those waves stop? I don't know that you can do that. You can't just say stop and, and it stops. Those waves continue on. And that's the way it is with faith. And I want us to see the kind of faith that Abraham had in particular that made those waves that still impact my life today. And I also want to challenge you to the same kind of faith because it's within your grasp. It's not some special thing reserved for special people. It's just ordinary people can do and have the same impact and make the same waves that Abraham made. So let's look. Turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11, and let's begin by looking at what it says about Abraham in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelled in a land of promise as a in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob and their heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Here are some facts about the kind of faith that Abraham had that makes it the kind of faith that, well, 4,000 years ago Abraham lived, and he's impacting our life today. How does that happen? by faith. But what kind of faith did he have? Well, first of all, he had a kind of faith that trusted God when he didn't know where he was going. Do you see what it says? By faith, Abraham obeyed. Well, what was he called to obey? Get up and move. Well, where? I haven't told you yet. Get up and move. Can you Listen, don't diminish this. Don't just write it off. Don't just read it as a story. Put yourself in it. What if God said to you, get up and move, and didn't tell you what else he had planned for you? Just get up and move. I'll tell you eventually what's going to happen. What? Might we be asking for, you know, some of those fleeces that Gideon used, uh, second opinion, make sure, you know, we're, we're doing this right. 
Abraham was asked to do something that he didn't even know where he was going. And he was being put in a place that just kind of really ripped him out of his comfort zone. He's no longer in control of, of where he lives and who he has, uh, you know, uh, acquaintances with. He, he's been moved. And he doesn't know anything about how he's going to make his living. What, what, how am I going to do all this? He doesn't know. But by faith, he obeys. Are you willing to obey God in that same fashion? Do you have to have all the answers you have to know the outcome before you'll do what God asks you to do. Does it all have to be perfectly safe? Or can you step out and, and get out of your comfort zone and do things that you're not really comfortable with, but you'll do it because you trust God and these people need to be reached? Let me give you an example. Abraham moves, and he doesn't know where he's going. But that's what the Lord told him to do, and so he, he obeys. L- let me ask you something evangelism's hard. You know, it's scary. We don't know how people are going to react to us. We we don't know what will be the outcome when we invite someone to church or to have a Bible study. Listen, if we're too afraid because of our comfort zone being a little shaken up here to, to invite someone to church or to sit down and have a Bible study with them, if, if we're too afraid to do those things, would we have been brave enough to have packed up and just left, not knowing where we were going? I think what Abraham was called to do is a whole lot harder than what I have been called to do in reaching out to the lost. And, and if I have trouble doing what I've been called to do, I, I'd like to say I would have been just like Abraham. When God says, get up and move, Steve, and I say, where are we going? And he doesn't tell me that I would have just done it. I'd like to say that. But when God asks me to do lesser things that, that get me out of my comfort zone, I'm hesitant. And I sometimes resist and balk at those things. And that makes me wonder, would I have had the faith of Abraham? We need to get out of our comfort zones. You know, right now, and I'll just I'll plug this uh, work because it's a great work that we do here. But, you know, we, we've got a prison ministry and that's intimidating. You know, these people have broken the law. They're, they're jailed because of their, their crimes. And yet they need Jesus. And in fact, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 25, and this isn't the only passage, it's an all, not an all-inclusive passage, but it, it does tell us that the difference between heaven and hell for some people will be, did you visit me when I was sick and imprisoned? And those who were on the left, the goats that have been separated, said, well, no, we didn't do that. It's an important ministry. But boy, it takes us out of our comfort zone. These people are different from us. Their lifestyles are different from us. They speak differently oftentimes than we do. But they have a commonality with us, and that is that they're lost sinners who need a Savior and we know one, and have them for ourselves, will we share them with others? Are you willing to let your life be used 
to reach out to people? Is your faith strong enough? Is it the kind of faith that says, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know what, you know, it's kind of scary. I don't, I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know what they're going to say to me. I don't know what will happen. You don't have to know. Just have faith to reach out like God told you to. And if you have that kind of faith, you have the kind of faith of Abraham. He didn't know where he was going. He was just told to leave, not knowing where he was going. And he trusted God. And it was uncomfortable, no doubts. He lived as a foreigner, as strangers. He didn't have his own homeland. Not, not living in the neighborhood anymore. It's a different place. But he did it anyway. And we can do the same if we'll get out of ourselves and out of our comfort zones and reach out to people in ways that make us uncomfortable, but we're reaching out because we trust God. He's asked us to do it. He's placed the gospel in earthen vessels, and as weak and as scared as sometimes I am, I'm going to march forward and I'm going to do this because I trust Him. That's the kind of faith that Abraham had. And it's the kind of faith that is still affecting us today, 4,000 years since the day he lived. And what happens when you have that same kind of faith and you take it to the streets? How many people then will be affected by the truths that you convey to them? Might you change entire families? Might because you had the faith to speak the truth and share the gospel message with others, might you not only affect that person, but then that person shares it with his wife or with her husband, and, and then their children and their grandchildren and great Do you know how many people you can affect if you have faith to obey God, even when you don't know what's going to come of it? That's what Abraham did. I don't know where I'm going but I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey. Let's have that same kind of faith. And whether we're talking about the jail ministry and helping with that, or whether it's just going to your next door neighbor and inviting them to church, or or talking to the person you work with, or go to school with, whatever it is, just remember God has called you to do that. Do you have faith to do it? And if you do, it's the same kind of faith Abraham had. And the ripples may live long after you're dead and gone. Here's a second thing about Abraham's faith. It is that he trusted God when he didn't know how God would keep his promises. Do you remember in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, God calls Abraham and he says, you know what, here's the deal. I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to make your descendants like the, the sand of the sea. And what, what, here's, here's what else I'm going to do. Through your seed, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Great promise. Abraham's going to have descendants. He's going to bless the rest of the world by his descendants. But how's he going to do that? Abraham's 75 years old when this promise is made to him. And he and Sarah don't have children. He's 75. I mean, if it was like right then, he'd be 75, close to 76 or so when he has this child. Um, he doesn't have a child immediately. 
In fact, quite a bit of time passes before he has a child. And, and so here's what he says in Genesis chapter 16. He says, you know what, God, I know you made this promise, and, and I trust you, and, and you're going to keep the promise, but since I'm as old as I am, uh, I just assume you're talking about Eliezer, you know, my servant. I've got a servant in my house, and, and uh, I guess that's the guy you're talking about. It's through him that you're going to bless all nations and my descendants with kind of an adopted son, right? God says, no, that's not what I'm talking about. And so time goes on. He didn't explain himself. Time goes on, and and Sarah and and Abraham were talking, and they decided, well, I'm too old. Sarah says, I can't have children. Take my handmaid, Hagar, and have relations with her and have her bear you a son. And they reason this thing out like that, again, not knowing what God intended. They have a son, Ishmael, and God comes to him and says, listen, I'm not talking about him either. I'll bless him, but this is not the son of promise. You stick with me. Let me. You don't have to help. I'll take care of this. And so Abraham had a faith that he believed God's promise through your seed, all nations of the earth will be blessed. He didn't have any idea how God was going to pull that off. In fact, he tried to help him twice along the way and got it wrong both times. Do you trust God when you don't understand God? That's the kind of faith Abraham had. Do we have that kind of faith? Why does God say some of the things that he says? Uh, you know, we sit back and we debate among ourselves and you can go with people, an average person on the street, and talk to them about various religious things and they'll debate the Word of God. Do you really think that there's a hell? Do you really think that you have to be baptized? Do you really think, you know, a couple of weeks ago I gave a sermon entitled, What If Jesus Really Meant What He Said? There are people who debate all this and they don't have it all squared. What if we just said, you know what, I don't know why God says do this and I don't understand why it had to be this way or that way, but I'm just going to do it. I trust Him. I don't have to have it all figured out. I'm just going to trust Him. If we had that kind of faith, then we would have the kind of faith of Abraham. And that's the kind of faith that leaves ripples. And then the third thing, that Abraham did with reference to his faith is that he trusted God when he didn't know when God would keep his promise. He didn't know where God had in mind for Abraham to go. He didn't know how he was to be the father of this great nation. And he didn't know when it was going to happen. Seventy-five was his age when God came to him and said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. Your seed, through your seed, all nations of the earth will be blessed. Seventy-five. He's now 100 years old. Twenty-five years have passed. God must have forgotten. I'm 100 years old. God must have forgotten. That's not what God, not, that's not the attitude that Abraham had. Abraham trusted. He made his promise. He'll keep it. I don't know when he's going to do it. 
I mean, can you imagine? 75, God makes his promise. It's an event. You talk to God. You don't forget those things. And God tells him. And so now it's 76. Nothing's happened yet. 77, nothing happened yet. I'm 80. Nothing's happened. 85, nothing's happened. 90, 95. I'm 100. And it still hasn't happened. When are you going to do this, Lord? He kept his faith that he would. But he didn't know when God would keep his promise. And we need to have that same kind of faith. God doesn't work on our time frame. And there are inequities and injustices that we see about us all the time. And sometimes they can shake our faith. Just go back to the book of Job and look at him. There are things that happen that, that disturb us and we long for. And in the book of Revelation, you, you remember that as they were being persecuted, there were people who had been beheaded for the cause of Christ and were given a glimpse behind the scenes into eternity. And those people were crying out to God, How long, O Lord, how long until you avenge our blood? God will take care of things in his own time. We need to be patient. And the promises that he's made us, I don't know when they're all going to come to fruition. But I don't doubt that they will. You know, three weeks ago, I was in a gospel meeting in um, West Virginia. And it was while I was there that I'd gotten a phone call from a a family. And their eight-year-old daughter had died. And they were wanting me to come back and, and do the funeral for that little girl. And as I, I drove um, back to do her funeral, her mother had wa- w- awakened one on Monday morning. Um, she'd gone to wake up her daughter to go to school, and she was just in bed, and she had passed away. Um, the day before was Sunday. And on that Sunday... Some things were said in Bible class that um, caused her to engage in some discussion. And on the way home, Cheyenne, the little girl, was in the car riding with her grandma and her mother. And they were going back to the house for uh, Sunday lunch, which was their practice. And um, she said to her mom and her grandmother, do you believe in heaven? And they both said yes. And she said, well, I do too. And she said, what, what do you think heaven's going to be like? And they began to explain and, you know, talked about things. And she listened. And then when they got finished, um, they said that Cheyenne said, well, I think heaven is going to be like, we'll be jumping on clouds. There were big clouds and she was looking out the window and she was looking up as she was talking to them. And she said, we'll jump from cloud to cloud. It'll be neat. And Uh, As they talked about it in kind of childlike terms, uh, when the conversation came to an end, the mother uh, told me at the funeral that um, she had said, heaven's going to be a great place. Who would have thought that the very next morning that little girl would be in paradise and experiencing some of the things that she was just talking about earlier? I don't know when God's going to keep all of his promises. He may do it quicker or he may do it later. But his promises are sure. And we need to just simply trust in him.
have the kind of faith that Abraham had and just trust that God will do what he said he'll do. And whether I know where or how, you know, prayer, I don't know how God answers prayer. I don't, I don't even feel the need to debate that. I don't know how we're convicted of sin and how all that takes place. I don't feel like it's important. I trust that he listens. I trust that he answers. I have faith in that. And I can't tell you how, you know, if I didn't pray on this car trip, but I did pray and that by praying my safety was um, changed how, how does God do that? How does he get his hand in there? And ch- I, I don't know. I can't begin to tell you. But I don't doubt for a minute that he does. I don't have to understand the how. Because I have faith in God. And he'll take care of the how. And he'll take care of the when. I don't doubt that God will keep his promises. There is a reward for the faithful. There is a heaven, and it will be a great place. And I don't know when he'll fulfill that promise with respect to my life or your life. It may be tomorrow. It may be 30 years from now. But he will, as long as we stay faithful. And so what I want to call you to this morning is to possess a faith like Abraham. Abraham lived 4,000 years ago, and the ripples of his faith still impact us today. I, according to Galatians 3 and verse 29, I am a son of Abraham because of my faith in Jesus Christ. He has affected, he's my, one of my fathers in a long line of fathers because of our relationship to him. And so here is his faith. He trusts God, not knowing where he's going, not knowing how it's going to work out, not knowing when it's going to work out. But he says, I believe. And here we are, touched by Abraham, who lived 4,000 years earlier. And my question for you is, who are you going to touch? Because of your faith, whose life will have this ripple effect go through them? If you can't say, and you don't know, and maybe you do know, and the answer is no one right now, then I want to challenge you to have the kind of faith of Abraham that will create a ripple that will long outlive you that will positively impact the lives of other people, that long after you're dead and gone, the effects of your life are still being felt. Your faith will have made a difference in the lives of other people. And if that is not the case of your life right now, then why don't you make the decision to make that? Today is the day that you begin the wave. You know, like I said when we began, on December 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks had no intention of making history. She just sat down on a bus and she wanted to go home after a long day of work. But because of her decision that day, she now has affected several generations of people. You may not have made ripples in the lives of anybody yet, but today can be the day when you do it. 
When you say, all right, today, I'll give my life to Christ. I'm going to place my faith in him, and I'm just going to trust him. I'm going to trust him in his promises, and I may not understand how he's going to do it or when all this is going to come to fruition, but I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to live in faith, and that faith today can begin to have a ripple effect on the lives of others. If you need to do that, if you need to make Jesus your own this morning, place your faith in him, why don't you do that? If you're not yet a child of God, Jesus says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's what you need to do. That's what we ask you to do. It's what Jesus asks you to do. And if you haven't done that, we'll assist you in that this morning. If you're a child of God already, you've received salvation, but you have wandered, your influence hasn't been what it ought to be, you want to double your efforts, you want to recommit yourself, you want to rededicate yourself, You want to ask for forgiveness. You want to ask for strength. Let's all, you know, 350 people here, let's go out and make ripples in the lives of people by our faith. We don't have to have all the answers, but trust in the one who does and obey him, and we will long outlive ourselves. If you need to respond, won't you come as we stand together and sing?